hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your guest, Anthony Thomas. I'm your host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Austin. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. We want to thank you guys for joining us today here at the Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a hag without a coven. Yeah. Now, I can't need those. <laughs> well, they don't need them, but they certainly do get a bit of a boost when they do, right? Exactly. Um, but then you also have to trust two other people, and I'm not exactly sure how that goes for most of them. <laughs> I guess we'll get to talk about that today. I am really excited for today's episode, you guys. I want to thank our special guest, Anthony Thomas, the creator and admin of the uh, Sage of Forgotten Realms community. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Before we get into it, um, I'd like to take a moment to direct you to our house cleaning, which is, if you don't know, I am a big fan of DM Dave. Uh, he, I've been a patron of his, and I've been an avid supporter of his amazing D&D content. Well, he is in the middle of his Pexia's Guide to Ameria, um, a 220-page campaign source book for 5th edition that introduces DM Dave's setting of Omeria. I've been following it for a while, so obviously I'm super excited. Uh, and includes descriptions of over 100-plus locations. He's been developing it for years, so that's part of that. New player yeah. options. I really have a favorite uh, touch for the, the elementalist. Magic items, spells, and so much, so much more. Um, if that sounds like something you are interested in, please consider checking it out. You can find a link to it at rebrand.ly slash Omeria, or you can go to critacademy.com slash ep- post slash episode 219 and find it there as well. Um, I, one of my favorite Kickstarters thus far for 5th edition DM Dave's content is amazing, so certainly uh, check that out. Now, sure. before before we get into the main topic today, we like to start off every episode on a high note, and we do this by giving away fat loots. Ain't that right, Austin? Absolutely, and right now our RPG fat loot giveaway is the Candlekeep Codex. Uh, the Candlekeep Codex is a supplement to accompanying Candlekeep Mysteries. Uh, which I believe I didn't we actually review it on the show? I don't quite remember. Not that one. Not that not one. this one. Yeah. Okay. okay. I knew we reviewed to. something. I feel like, but uh, it includes uh, new subclasses, monsters, and a D one hundred list of books with descriptions. Twenty of which are magical. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so cool. So I do want to say that the one thing I really liked about this is the book descriptions. Each one is a hook adventure unto itself. It's mm-hmm. super in-depth and super very cool. So if you're doing the Candlekeep uh, mystery spiel and you want to be able to expand and create your own, this gives or you a massive collection. Oh, you yeah. Because you're going to Avernus. You, you stop by at Candlekeep. You could throw this right in. <laughs> and they pick up a book. What's this? We'll, we'll tuck that away for later. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> cool book. I was very uh, Im- impressed with it. Who's our winner? Our winner today is Smalls178. But if you didn't win, don't worry about it. Uh, you can head over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for a chance to win. Yes, um, definitely do that. Uh, when you sign up, you get entered to win every single week. Every week we give away at least two products, um, sometimes others during the, the week throughout the, 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 the week. So definitely uh, swing by and check that out. Um, if you are interested, um, I'd like to uh, make a special offer to the awesome people over at Sage of Sages of Forgotten Realms. 
after this episode, I'm going to give some information to our boy Anthony here to have a free giveaway of one of our best-selling products, uh, our fantastic terrain product. So that'll be exclusive Ooh. to people that follow him in his chat so or uh, in his uh, page. So if you're watching this now, go. Go now. Go do it. Do it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and keep an eye out for that post. How's that sound, Anthony? Oh, it sounds great. Let's do it. That's awesome. <laughs> now, let us move on to our main topic today. We're going to be talking monster tactics, hags. Not only are we going to talk about rich and delicious lore, but we're going to also talk to you as a DM how to really bring this fight to the table for your players so that you can get the most out of it. And Anthony, our master of Forgotten Realms lore, is here to help with that. Anthony, for those who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the world of Dungeons & Dragons? I've been playing D&D every chance I could get since 1982. I'm the admin for the Facebook pages uh, of the Sages of Forgotten Realms, plus many other uh, worlds as well. So if you put Sages and then whatever world you like, if you don't like your peas touching your potatoes, and you just want specifically <laughs> Spelljammer, then there's a Sages site for Spelljammer. And we're, love, we're, love, we're like-minded people who love to help. <laughs> and that's actually the one thing I think is most notable. Um, you're very good about keeping out the the trolls from starting fires, and I you, we talked about that before the sto- show started. So kudos to you because that's a tough, you. tough, tough thing to do with more than ten thousand people yeah, in your is. group. So that's my guarantee to everyone. I've lost count how many times I've seen how many D and D pages the posts become dumpster fires. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. I don't know. Too many. Yeah, I'm really excited uh, to have you on. Obviously. Um, as a D&D player, there's one question that we always like to ask everyone that comes on the show. What is your most memorable D&D moment? Yeah, I have many. Um, the one that I love to play was a homebrew that I used to make. Uh, I DM'd during my overseas time in the Air Force. Uh, the, the PCs Thank had to get you. rid of a nearby forest of feral vampires uh, who was eating <laughs> off a nearby village. When the other uh, GI's players got their orders or had to ship out. I had them do their last epic battle with vampires only to become one of them in the end. That was like the thing. Um, okay. So I would uh, have their characters as a vampire for the other GIs to fight. And I just kept this going as a constant uh, thing, uh, a process. I kept that game going for about three years. And all I do is I would send letters to those, those GIs. Hey, this is what happened to your your, your vampire character. So and so killed him, and this happened to him later on. Hmm. That's cool. Back before yeah. that, there was a thing called the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. Did they ever like reply to you? Uh, oh yeah, saying like, yeah, yeah. What were some of your favorite replies? Uh, wow, <laughs> they were just surprised, or I'm glad they killed so and so, and or they made so and so a vampire. I had one guy who uh, got smart. He was a paladin. He became kind of like an oathbreaker back then. There was something else back then. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, blackguard, and he was trying yep. to stop people from going to the to the forest and fighting these <laughs> vampires. That's so funny. He, he wouldn't become a vampire. He basically became evil. That's <laughs> that <was> pretty awesome. <laughs> Do you have a moment where you feel you feel as a DM or a player that that stands out to you, and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I have a bunch of those. <laughs> Back in the second edition <laughs> I times, I got to play a bunch, bunch of college guys. I knew them, you know, 
you know, I was about 17 still in high school when I met these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I didn't know is that DM had previous issues with another player being a murder hobo. Oh, well, geez. our characters approached the village starting off the adventure. The DM described a gallus pole with a raven on it, you know, cawing loudly at the party. And he was just making, you know, a mood for the adventure to start before we got there. Uh, the murder hobo pl- mm-hmm. player yells out to the DM, I'm going to shoot the raven with my arrow. Well, a DM sighs, and the murder hobo player rolls low and misses. The DM uh, sort of ignores the, the incident to the, uh, with the murder hobo, and he's trying to let it go. You know? mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. yells out to the DM again, I shoot, I shoot another arrow at him. Uh, he misses again, and the DM says, that's it. The raven attacks the first level murder hobo and rolls a crit attack on this murder hobo. <laughs> attacking his face. And I was like, right at the beginning Eat of the out his eyes. Yeah, second edition, and that almost killed him, but I was trying to help him out. And I'm 17, and I'm, you know, I've been playing for a while, but I had a mace, and I'm like, well, let me try to get this, this uh, crow off your face, and I rolled a one, and then I murdered him. <laughs> oh, <no>. That player <laughs> had it Accidentally. Coming. Did something. Yeah, accidentally, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I did, and then I thought, oh, wow, I, I killed this guy by accident. <laughs> Accident. Yeah, you're like I trying to tons... like prep the base, and you're just like, I got tons oh no, of stories I got... about those guys. Ah! That's awesome. Just trying to lower the mace, so... you're like leveling it out against the bird. You're like, no, well, I got I, it, and then you. I was actually trying to hit, hit the hit raven, the and like, oh, yeah, right in the face. <laughs> what a start. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in the uh, in the chat, they're saying it was the raven's plan all along. Evil bastards. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So now uh, we want to thank you for those uh, jumps down memory lane. That Honestly, we all love that sort of stuff. That's why. Oh, yeah. That's why we play D&D, right? Those memorable moments. And we all make mistakes and they're good to learn from them. And that's why I love stuff like that. Because um, there's there's consequences for your actions, even if it is on accident. Because if he wouldn't have did that, you wouldn't have rolled. And you wouldn't have rolled a one. And you wouldn't have died. So mm-hmm. I'm going to still say that it was part of his fault. But anyways, we want to talk more. <laughs> I was trying to help. <laughs> the chat says won't do that again never more (laughs) so now let's get into why we're here we're here to talk hags now if you guys don't know hags are a very very not only common trope but a notorious monster in the dungeons and dragons lore and what's cool is they come in in such varieties that they're one of my favorites because you can easily change up the the stat blocks in the lore and expand upon it a little bit to create a unique hag and i think they've done that over the years they've created different things from the night hag to the sea hag all these different varieties that come in different flavors which is is great because they don't all have the same abilities and i think that's what really distinguishes them so anthony as our hag lore expert what can you tell us about the the hags and their origins yeah, originating from the dark places of the Feywild, they're the most iconic monster at D&D. They've been around since first edition. The Hag is right. a DM's gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> if you just want to throw a two-hour one-shot at your players and need a flimsy plot, blame it on a Hag. <laughs> Hags delight in suffering, priding themselves on creating new and inventive ways to torment people. They are obsessed with tragedy and sorrow. They constantly spin untruths and lies to constantly keep their victims confused. Their reproductive process is a campaign within itself. We can get that in further if you like. 
So I'd actually like to, to talk about that a little bit. Um, you mentioned that they come from the dark places in the Wild. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know that. Um, and I don't know much about the Wild to begin with. Well, clearly that's where hags come from. Apparently. <laughs> uh, so I think that that's really interesting. Is there like, is it says the, the, the dark places, like, is there any lore about how they, how they actually came into existence? Uh, I couldn't find any really. Um, okay, um, unless I missed it. No, yeah, no, that's yeah. And that's perfectly fine. I sometimes monsters have like this is the first one, like the Medusa. Right, maybe that's right. just Greek lore where she was like there is, or something. There is but... Baba Yaga if you want to get into into her lore. That's more she's, Earth, and yeah, she's, she's part she's of D and D though. Yeah, she's one of the big big bads, isn't she? In one of the right. books, she's like the mother of all hags. Ooh. And D and D and D does have uh, their version of her, the saga. Oh, okay. she must be a high-level monster, huh? Yeah. So, um, so that's really cool. It, you you touch on here about wanting to know uh, what are some what are some reasons a, a, a pl- the players might stumble into them. You touched a little bit on hey, if something's confusing, toss a hag in there to make sense, and I really like that. What are some options that the uh, the the DM can use to include them into their story with a little bit more of a hook? Right, like if you have a, a two-hour one-shot, you just want to get your friends together and, and bash some orcs over the head, and you just mm-hmm. need a flimsy plot to get them along. Make a little right. side, uh, little side thing that maybe twenty, thirty minutes of them dealing with a hag. She wants them out of her swamp because they're eating up all of their, uh, all of her uh, components <laughs> in the swamp. <laughs> She's basically exterminators. Get out of my swamp. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> I have to call. Uh, I'd totally go with the Shrek theme there. Um, so there's there's a lot. You mentioned that there's a lot of different varieties. What are um, some of the different types of, of hags? One of my favorites was the the one I've actually used in my underwater adventure, Dark Tide to Damodan, the, the the sea hag. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, they're absolutely hideous and terrifying to look at. That's even true. when they <laughs> yeah. hags are. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the sea hag's the worst. Even okay. when they use magic to change their appearance, is still not enough. <laughs> yeah, anything beautiful enrages them, and will go out of their way to destroy anything that's beautiful. Uh, they can be very dangerous for tier one characters due to their death glare. They have a good death glare. Uh, if you get caught up in that, they can be found on abandoned islands, seashores, and lost or forgotten shipwrecks along the shorelines. Uh, I did create one for high-level characters. I called her Mother of Fish Guts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Okay>. Accurate. <laughs> yep. She wears a large enlightened octopus on her head that holds belaying pins. And if anybody gets too close, it gets whacked over. People get whacked over the head. Uh, her eyes bulge <laughs> out of her sockets like a, a, a and has filthy brackish seawater filled in her uh, halfway inside her eyeballs, so she sloshes around. Um, <laughs> that's so gross yeah. in her mouth are shark, shark jaws uh, as dentures and they keep slipping in and out of her mouth um, that's cool and she wears black sails from pirate ships that have sunk oh that is such a nice touch and her favorite means of travel is a, a giant crab she'll be like come out of the ocean waves on a giant crab um, sitting on like a, a captain's chair oh man that's so cool yeah. also I have. I also put her inside a giant dead whale that washes mm-hmm. up, and she comes out of the mouth and 
uh, that's beached on the on the beach. That's awesome. And it's got a rear end of a pirate ship in its mouth. You had uh, you had mentioned the death glare, so let's actually talk a bit right. about some of the mechanical benefits in fifth edition. So in fifth edition, you have the the death glare that the targets uh, one creature and becomes frightened of the the hag. Right. Uh, what's really cool to kind of stacks with that um, the she also has like the horrific appearance, which basically any humanoid that starts to turn within 30 feet, any, that's everybody all at once, uh, mm-hmm. and sees her true form, must make a wisdom save or be frightened. And they have to repeat that saving throw, uh, which is just disgusting, because how hard it is to fight somebody that while you you can only run away from them. So these mm-hmm. are one of the, the, one of my favorite creatures to use when it comes to like a, uh, like having minions, right? Because while she's there, they can't directly engage her, so she's good at giving orders and giving her a magic item even tops it off, giving her some sort of good ranged attack because she doesn't really have that in her arsenal. Yeah. But I, you mentioned all the, 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 the cool uh, underwater kind of things. I instantly imagine giving her like a harpoon or something because I don't right, know if you right. know, the, the, uh, the hag in 5e doesn't actually have any like magical spells like some of the uh, higher ones. Um, but they can breathe air and water, so that makes them a little makes them a little mobile in that uh, regard. Just grab you and throw you underwater. <laughs> yeah, I would also um, go as far as if even if they made their save, I would have them dry heave. Dry heave. The play- oh yeah, yeah? The, dr- the players have them dry heave even if they made their save. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> so would that affect their? Uh, would that affect the game mechanically in any way, or would you just use? No, that as I would flavor? just put that a little. You know, that's how horrific they are. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a nice touch because sometimes as DMs we forget to add the little descriptions in there for things mm-hmm. that are just flavor. Like it's easy to say, "Oh, she's hideous," but to say, "Oh, she's so hideous," you just start he dry heaving and poor Bill over here failed to save, actually barf threw up while he's running away. You know, mm-hmm. so that's that's a nice little touch. Or if you want to do is get a, a bucket of actual fish guts and open it up underneath the table. Ooh. That's horrible. And they have them actually smell what they smell. <laughs> and disgusting. They go. What the? Did somebody forget to shower today? <laughs> Bill, uh, is that you? <laughs> oh, man. That's gross. Uh, all right. So uh, you have a couple other uh, hags in, in our list here. Uh, I've never actually heard of an anise hag. What is that? Anise hag, yes. Me neither. Uh, their layers can be found in mountainous areas. They collect ogres and trolls if they were their you know, uh, children, probably at a younger age. Uh, they prefer <laughs> corrupting children. Now, this is kind of a sensitive topic with, you know, with children. Um, right. Yeah. Um, they hand the children hideous tokens, like their iron teeth in their mouth, uh, maybe a creepy doll that they've made out of, you know, other children. Um, I would use the plot Fair. line from the Children of the Corn. Where all the adults within the village had disappeared, leaving their uh, clearly evil feral children running around. And when the the characters show the PC the PCs show up, and there's these feral children running around. Um, uh, I created one called Anti Boulder Holder. What <laughs> <laughs> the hell? Who gives their wandering children homemade dolls to talk to them, to talk through them, to corrupt them further? Uh, and then, That's cool. uh, then kill off their unsuspecting village adults, thereby freeing her of all their problems, of you know them being a headache to her. Uh, and then eventually eating <laughs> them one by one, and making a dress out of the children. 
And hacks are just awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one thing. That's one thing that doesn't get pulled off, uh, uh, come off often at the table is just how disturbing they are. Mm. Um, and I think that your 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 descriptions here and the things you've run have really captured the the nasty. Um, it's more than just a powerful, creepy spellcaster. That's what they're all about. Mm. Yeah. Make make your your make your players just gross. I'm pretty sure in the in the Adventure League game there was one notorious game I had in a TPK that had an Anna's Hag and her troll children, if you will. Oh God. It was like, oh, we got a big group, so I'll, I'll grip the hard. Then the players kept rolling ones. I kept them rolling twenties for attacks. See, see where that's going. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's that fun. Will do it. You know, you and Anthony mentioned the fact that they take children. This is a good opportunity to include children of other races too that have different uh, powers and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That could be really uh, interesting, especially if they, you know, manipulate them. Um, she manipulates them into working for her. Um. So. Uh, what a, what can you tell us about the Night Hag? I think in the fifth edition book, that's probably one of the the stronger ones, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, uh, uh, I think so. Yep, they're so foul and corrupted. Yep. While they were in the Feywild, they descended to Hades. They were so evil and, and, and corrupted. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're uh, soul mongers by trade. One thing they are known for is visiting their victims in their dreams and corrupting them through their dreams. To, and basically get them to conduct evil, uh, condemning their souls in the process. After corrupting a person through, a, a preferably a high-standing person, somebody who's important. I mean, no one wants a commoner soul, you know what I mean? In the mm-hmm. process of getting themselves killed through the hag's uh, conniving ways and behind-the-scenes drama, they arrive to collect their person's soul to trade and sell within the Nine Hells, or in Hades. Uh, and they have a huge market dedicated to that wow. itself. Uh, their soul, their souls fueling the blood war. So basically, they're selling off to the blood war, or anybody, any devil who wants one, or needs one, or makes sense. Uh, they use a soul bag that's made from the skin of their victims, um, and is their prized possessions. Due to the cost of uh, of making them, requiring seven days and a living sacrifice, basically the person that they corrupted. Uh, I made one called Mother Krakatoa. So <laughs> Uh, she's one of my favorites. Her thing is she likes to do is to use a stick pen, sticking, sticking people randomly and then (laughs) either licking it, tasting the blood off the pen, uh, determining how, yeah, determining how evil or good they already are so that see how far they she's able to corrupt them further. Oh, geez. That is awesome. So she'll stick somebody. Oh, he's ready to go any minute. Let me see him tonight. Or, (laughs) oh, he's lawful. Good. Nah, I mean, come back to him later. It might take a little too long. <laughs> yeah. Is this worth uh, doing that the night hag knows plane shift? Yes. yes. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that do. stuff shortly. because um, damn. Uh so before we get into the, the more rule because I do want to talk about actual tactics that we're going to use, but before we get into the hag combat tactics, last thing we need to touch on, the most important thing is hag covens. What exactly are they, and what benefits do they bring to a hag? All right. Well, hag covens, uh, the hags can't, they cannot stand each other on a one-on-one basis. You know, um, when they must work, when they got to work together, uh, when they form their covens, uh, they, they put their selfish natures aside. Uh, they're made up of hags of 
any type. So you could have a green hag, a swamp hag, or sorry, a uh, anise hag or, or and a night hag working together. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All of whom are equals within the group. Uh, each of the hags continues to desire more personal power. The coven consists of three hags so that any arguments they might have between two, a uh, third one can settle it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If more than three hags ever come together, as might happen if you have two covens, come into conflict, the results are usually chaos. Wow. Essentially, they go off the power like three, which is an old concept. A hag coven can, co- uh, coven can uh, craft magic items called a hag's eye, uh, which is made from a real eye coated in varnish and often fitted to a pendant or other wearable items, like uh, like to use rings. Hag rings. Uh, hag eye is usually entrusted to a minion for safekeeping and transport. A hag is uh, a hag in the coven can take an action to see how the hag eye sees if the eye hag eye is on the same plane of ex- it has to be in the same plane of existence. Uh, hag eye has dark vision radius about sixty feet. Uh, if it's destroyed, it will uh, cause psychic damage to the uh, uh, to the hags for about 24 hours. So that's probably your best that's really weakness cool. to it. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, glad you actually brought that up mm-hmm. because I feel like um, in this situation, uh, when you're fighting the hags, uh, this can be exploited by the players, and it should be. Right. Especially mm-hmm. as it could be a good reward for the players if they take the time to learn and investigate more about the hags and their coven. Um because this can really be a a powerful tool. Because not only do they take damage, but they're blinded uh, for twenty four yes. hours. So, as very big thing. as a DM, if you're going to run uh, a group of hags and a co- as a coven, um, this is something that needs to be discoverable by the player characters uh, because it can really help them if they would normally otherwise be outmatched. Um, or even if they're not, it rewards the person that cares more for the investigative part, and it rewards the players for prepping. And this is not, and in my opinion, there should be more monster features like this. And for a while there, I actually thought about making a an entire product that's just monster weaknesses. Things that can be discovered by the players, aside from just, the troll is vulnerable to fire, you know? Something like this that yeah. benefits them in a way, but also creates a, a, a weakness to be exploited. Um, and the hag, the, 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 in this case, the hag covens are one of the only things that I've seen of that. Can you guys think of anything that's similar? Not really, no. Not off the top of my head. Mm. Um, maybe in earlier editions for D&D in general, but not in 5th ed, because they try to simplify things quite a bit. And that was kind of one of the things that got tossed out. Yeah. So, uh... So uh, as far as the the hag covens, um, the obviously it's the, the you mentioned the rules of three. That's part of it, though. I guess you technically, if you wanted to add more, you could. But I would say sticking with the theme is you want to go with that three uh, it's tradition. Probably important anyway. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about you know what is the uh, best ways to kind of get the most out of these from a flavor perspective, from a mechanical perspective. 
Um, and the first thing I wanted to follow up with, because you just talked about is the coven. So a green hag is a CR five or CR or the, the night hag is a CR five. Right. And aside from having just a couple spells, I can use a couple times a day, such as the plane shift, which is awesome by the way, because that means they can easily be a returning character. Um, mm-hmm. but then they only have ray of enfeeblement and sleep detect magic and magic missile. That's not all that impressive spellcasting wise. Yeah. The most impressive spell they have is quite literally the the plane shift. <laughs> yeah. But if that same hag forms a coven with two others, they become a twelfth level spellcaster. So now they've got four first level slots for identifying ray of sickness. Um, they get access to contact other plane and scrying at fifth level, phantasmal killer, polymorph, bestows curse, counterspell, lightning bolt, eye bite, hold person, just a whole slew of FUs to the player characters. But all the rest of their stats are, are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. And that shows how powerful them forming that pact is. Um, what do you guys think about that from a, like a, uh, a mechanical benefit perspective as the 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 dm and running a, a hag coven yeah if you have three hags together and they almost all look the same um let it on to your players that they think they're just dealing with one hag mm-hmm. mm. yeah, and they're actually dealing That's with good. a coven and then they, they, they could change into anybody they could mimic anyone depending on the hag Dude, that's that's awesome, Anthony, because think about it. If let's say let's go with the night hag, right? Because they don't actually have the the um the illusionary appearance thing, they just have the polymorph. But if they, they polymorph into the same looking character and the players run into one and hurt her and she gets away, maybe she creates a gash across their eye, and so next time they see her, she doesn't have that gash. And then the time after that, maybe she does again. And so you can easily allude to that it's uh, she's part of a coven and they all look very similar, and I think that would be quite the cool payoff. I would make it a, a huge surprise to the, the player characters, or to the mm-hmm. players, that... Uh... yeah. Yeah, at the last minute, that's when they figure out, hey, this is a coven, this is just one. And they have a huge fight on their hands. Talking more about the combat, they are actually, their physical and mental fortitude of a hag, the night hag specifically, are all very strong. Like, they don't have a dumb stat. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, everything's at least a two. Uh, one of four, but several threes. So, they are good yeah. in melee, they are good at distance, um, between these spells, specifically their magic missile never misses. I mean, if you have this hit and run style tactic with a night hag, you're boned because they can take, you know, their time killing you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, combined with the fact that they have, you know, a constitution of plus three and our damage resistance of fire, cold, piercing and all that stuff um, mm-hmm. makes them extremely durable. And not only that, if they're in a coven on top of all of that, oh, yeah. their CR, quite honestly, changes significantly. Because with all the extra stuff they're able to get, like, Hold Person is really strong. Counterspell is also very strong. Yeah. Phantasmal Killer, we've all seen time and time again, do some horrifying things to people. <laughs> yep. Uh, contact Other Plane might not seem super crazy, but if they are, you know, for plot reasons, they know higher, stronger powers, could easily do something. Uh, there, there's just stuff that they, you can really do to really amp this up and do some really crazy stuff with it. 
And the fact that since some uh, hacks can also plane shift two, mm-hmm. <laughs> that could uh has a very good synergy there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, mess with. So you mentioned the, the contact other plane. Even if the hag in her coven falls, the, they've now revealed themselves to this person in the higher up boss. So they mm-hmm. can reveal all the stuff about the characters, all their powers, their, their, their classes, basically. So the next mm-hmm. time they go to the next level up, the enemy's prepared. Oh, you know that this wizard is a pyromancer and is always using fire? Well, I'm going to make sure to send a bunch of people that are immune to fire against you. Or, you know, you got a uh, uh, somebody that's a, you know, a, a, a like a, a brutish barbarian, right? Send enemies where he can't, his brute strength comes doesn't come into play. They all fly, right? And so now he's stuck shooting a bow or throwing, launching javelins because they were prepared for him because when they fought this hag, it used its uh, abilities to contact and forewarn other people, making it very easy to get the jump on the characters. Also, I want to just put this into perspective that contact other plane, usually they are mentally contacting either a demigod, a spirit of a long dead sage, or some other mysterious entity from another plane. So the, not only is this other being, uh, you know, from a different plane of existence, but they're also typically in a status of high power. <laughs> so that's let awesome. that be as it may. <laughs> yep. Another thing about them, too, is they're immortal. So you yes. could have in, uh, the PCs think they killed it and they didn't. Well, they got uh, another 10 levels of fighting her and not knowing it. Yeah, her getting revenge on the characters. The hag um, is surprisingly durable and comes with so, a lot of powerful utilities, especially if they are in a coven. Now, aside from that, there's a few other little features this bad boy can do. Um, as soon as I get my notes up, there we go. Um, I want to talk about the fact that they have skills in deception and stealth already makes for a dangerous combination, but tossing in the fact that they can jump between the ethereal realm? Are you kidding me? They can do it at will. At will. They can jump into this other realm. Yeah, and you can't follow them usually. Yeah, most (laughs) most players, some of the spellcasters might, but if they have it prepared, when was the last time you saw somebody prepare, like, well, okay, Blink gets prepared pretty regularly, but you can't control that one. (laughs) This is kind of a hit or miss, right? But then, you got one person that can go into the ethereal realm fighting a hag, or a coven? I don't think so. They're gonna get tore to shreds. Um, And to me, that is just terrifying um, as a player. And as a DM, you know I'm gonna exploit the shit out of that. (laughs) Hands down. I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage. Oh, you think you got me? Side boom, she's gone. Um, and once again, that's a great opportunity for the DM to use it as a way to reveal some of the powers that the hag has. So maybe she uses it to escape the first time. So now they come prepared. Hey, we got the spell etherealness. We can use it. Um, we can all shift and fight her when she tries to escape. That sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? I think being able to transport into the ethereal realm is just cool. It just doesn't happen very often. So when it does, it's just this very cool moment of like, oh shit, they just went out of this plane of existence just yeah for free. And they can do it as an action just all the time. Makes them terribly terrifying, I guess. It, it makes them slippery. 
In Tomb Annihilation, there are some good ones. Is there? Yes, that do that constantly. And you can torment the players with that. Uh, one of them's got a bag on her head that has a snake in it. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it just goes to show you that we take taking in hags, especially whole coven. You might want to do a little pl- planning ahead. Yeah, for sure. And once again, that's why I absolutely love the fact that the coven has the hag eye. Because now when they do do the research, they're going to be like, oh, man, you guys, this is going to be rough. Uh, but if we take this down, we can get the slight edge on them. And blinding them is certainly a way to do that. <laughs> um, I don't think I touched much on the uh, fact that they also have the Nightmare Haunting, which basically allows them to sap the strength of creatures that are sleeping while they're on the ethereal realm. Or in the ether, ethereal realm. Which means you can't see it. And you're going to find out a lot more about that in our encounter for the podcast tonight. Because um, in the encounter, we have a... Uh, uh, is focused around hags. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, who would have guessed? So, we've talked a lot about uh, both the lore and the um, the mechanics of a hag. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that we need to before we move on? I would go so far as if when your players are taking a long rest with night hags, have her show up in their dreams and take that player aside and and just tell them horrible things about the other players or or make some kind of drama between all the different players when they're sleeping. You know, in, Send in them all a message. Yes, each one differently. Hmm. And then have them almost paranoid of each other while she's, you know, trying to deal with them. Uh, so we have an actual awesome question that I want to hear some thoughts. What happens if you interrupt a hag coven ritual with the anti-magic field? Hmm. They're going to scream at you. And, that's what's gonna and, you we- <laughs> and I would say that's a good strategy. Yeah, uh, throwing the dice, uh, you know, depending on how powerful that person is throwing the, the, the spell, depends mm-hmm. what they're, they're cooking up, too. So Right. I mean, try, if, you're, if you stop them from forming the coven, definitely would be a rewarding experience as a player because you would know that they were about to be a whole hell of a lot stronger and you broke it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also, a champion within self. Yeah, also, if you fail... It could go from a, hey, we're going to kill some hags to, ha we better run. <laughs> Which is always fun. That's a really great example of consequences. Um, that would be something to me that I would love to use a skill challenge to represent time and take into account all their, uh, their, their activities, their rests and everything. So that when they get there, the DC is higher or lower depending on how far along the ritual is. And so you can have a, like a mechanical... Uh, consequence for them taking extra rests or getting distracted and going shopping when they know there's a timeline because the ritual must be complete before the moon crests the, you know, the horizon or, or some BS like that. So mm-hmm. you show that time is important. So, and I love stuff like that. So, all right. I think we, uh, we did pretty well uh, covering the monster tactics, the hags from the lore to the mechanical benefits. Obviously we did focus more uh, heavily for the tactics on the night hag because that's the, 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 in my opinion, the coolest one, but uh, yeah. we can only fit so much <laughs> in our show. So mm-hmm. uh, if there's something that we didn't include or you want to check, uh, you want to let us know about, let us hear it in the comments below, whether you're watching on Twitch, Facebook, or YouTube, or send us a, a message via the um, social media and let us know what we could have did and added. Uh, mm-hmm. I th- think that'll do it for our main topic today 
Uh, before we close out, I want to, or before we move on to our next, our owner tips and tricks, I do want to take a second. If you guys don't know, we have an upcoming uh, Kickstarter for our Capes and Crooks. Every week we play test our superhero 5th edition RPG, and it is a lot of fun. If you want to see what so it's like fun. to have scaling cantrips that don't just scale in damage, but scale in utility. A completely open, customizable character where instead of having subclasses, you pick and choose your own features and essentially build your own subclass. Um, Kinda, yeah. Then Capes and Crooks is for you. If this sounds like something you might be interested in, you can follow us along on YouTube with our Capes and Crooks journey, or you can head on over to Andor. You can head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Capes and Crooks and sign up and get notified when it goes live. Uh, we will have, we are planning to have a playable demo for the or playable starting set for the backers. So uh, we're super excited for that. I yep. also want to point out just how immensely versatile it is to uh, make basically your own character in there. Uh, me and Ian, personally, uh, we both picked the Crime Fighter uh, class. Mm -hmm. I'll put in air quotes in there. <laughs> yep. And we play entirely differently. Like, we're not even, like, recognizably similar. And we're only, like, level five. Yeah. I'm... Like, it... That's how crazy, like the it, like the paths diverge. I like it's so crazy. <laughs> as weird as it sounds, I wonder which one of our characters will win the fight. I think yours has more advantages, but you never never know. I agree. I, I, <laughs> like, I, I would like to know. We should find out oh. someday. <laughs> the end. And now, what you've all been waiting for: our unearthed tips and tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Uh, so our character concept today is the Tiny Scoundrel, uh, which is like myself because I'm 5'6 and I'm considered short. <laughs> so <laughs> the greatest heroes of legend are those who defeat giants, dragons, or other oversized threats to their homes and communities using their wits, their agility, and a hefty dose of audacity. These heroes aren't necessarily armored warriors wielding legendary swords, and they don't have lands or noble titles <laughs> who needs those right uh, they are ordinary folk who rise to the challenge of the times proving that size and strength aren't needed to come out on top you're one of these heroes like most small folk you have found that the best way to get in a world full of much larger creatures is to stay out of their way <laughs> doing that might mean keeping out of their sight or staying on their good side it might also mean keeping out of their reach or dodging their attacks Stealth and trickery might not be weapons and armor by themselves, but they are a useful supplement to the finest steel. <laughs> Coupled with your natural daring and determination, these strengths are enough to bring you victory against any foe, no matter how large. Though I would say still stay away from the dragons, they're still a little strong. <laughs> <laughs> and they breathe fire the... and find you delicious. Yes! <laughs> Tastes like chicken. <laughs> Compared to the legendary heroes of other races, you might come across as a scamp or a scoundrel. Disregard that. The fact that you're crafty, resourceful, and sometimes sneaky doesn't make you any less of a hero. You might have been blessed with courage beyond question, ingenuity sufficient for any challenge, and the stealth you need to survive. That's a You're like the lawful good rogue instead of the lawful <laughs> evil rogue. <laughs> the one who's stealing shit all the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously, this is meant for gnomes and and goblins and and the the halfling races. Mm -hmm, um, yep. 
this is something that gets overlooked. Everyone always feels – I often feel like people think size matters. And in some situations that's true, but I think playing a tiny scoundrel, it can be so much fun. Um, and this really gives a good um, apt description of what kind of style you should play. Anthony, what did you think about it? Oh, yeah, I'm digging it. And D&D, never underestimate anybody smaller than you. Ain't that the truth? Yes. <laughs> and this came from the uh, Player's Handbook 2 from 4th Edition. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would even go a little further beyond. You could even take this, uh, even though it's strictly talking about small folk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first paragraph, even then, like you can kind of, with the whole, like these heroes aren't necessarily armored warriors mm-hmm. wielding legendary swords or anything like that, you could easily take that into any like regular humanoid character as well. For sure. Where, like, you're just some nobody came from a line from some land and you could have just been like a commoner and you're just rising to a time of need. I think know? that fits the folk hero background really, really well. Yes. Well, you're, you didn't set out to be a hero, but happenstance led you into it. Um, mm-hmm. And so you use your, your wit and your agility to, to out, you know, to, to defeat your, your threats. So mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty so like straightforward. That. Yeah. So yeah, I like that one. That was pretty good. All right. That'll do it for our character concept. The tiny scoundrel. Our monster variant of the podcast is the Voidwalker. Uh, Voidwalkers are cosmic guards that maintain the balance of all that exists in the world. While the paladin of this oath, or this monster variant in this case, may Mm -hmm. interpret the tenets of the Void slightly different, one thing always remains the same. All things will eventually return to the Void. Many of these warriors hold high respect for one another, shirking the idea of infighting in order to prevent reality from shattering around them. They very much are the the gray area hero, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they believe that balance is, is priority. So I wanted to make this into a monster because... I need it for something. <laughs> and I wanted a hero that rides the line of, hey, he's a hero. That is wrong. <laughs> but I see his point kind of character. So obviously yeah. I've made this. So what you're going to do is you're going to start with the origin stat block of the gladiator. You're going to lose the shield bash, the shield and the parry. Those are some core features of the gladiator. We're going to chuck them out there. We're going to give the Voidwalker a, make him a sixth level spellcaster. We're going to give him the ability, a spellcasting ability, charisma save, uh, 14 with a plus six to attack. So I don't think any of them have them. The big core features of the, pa- the, the Voidwalker is going to be, uh, four first level slots of absorb elements and shield of faith. Ooh, what a daring combo. Absorb elements. Absorb elements. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Taking the power so from somebody attacking you and turning it against them? Hell yeah. And Shield of Faith, they usually use that to protect themselves, but they may occasionally apply it to somebody else. Yeah, you know. We're going to top it off with that slipping into the void feel with Misty Step. And of course, because these are true characters that believe in keeping balance, they kind of need to know when people are telling the truth, so we're going to give them Zone of Truth. Now, here's the interesting stuff. We're going to give him Aura of the Void. The Void Walker emanates an aura of dimensional distortion while it's not incapacitated. The aura extends 10 feet from it in every direction, but not through total cover. When a hostile creature in its aura makes an attack against an ally, the Void Walker can slip the attack attacker into the void before the attack hits. It uses its reaction to force the creature to make a charisma saving throw. And on a fail, the creature slips into the void, teleports them to an unoccupied space anywhere in its aura that it can see. This attack misses. Oh, oh, doesn't that suck? 
<laughs> so, so and uh, not only can it teleport itself, but it can force enemies to teleport. Because mm-hmm. it is a paladin archetype, we are going to give it lay on hands with a 25 hit point pool. Now, one of my personal favorites is Void Slip. When a Void Walker's ally is being assaulted by a foe, it can slip itself or uh, and the ally into the Void, teleporting and swapping places, forcing a... Uh, uh, a willing creature to change places with it instantly. And if the attack would hit the Voidwalker's AC, it takes damage from the top. Otherwise, it basically misses. Um, this is a 100% got to be a willing creature, but it does require a short or long rest to recharge. But being able to instantly swap and protect a weaker creature or swap and, ch- and change with a powerful creature that needs to be something, needs to, you know, recover or something is a very powerful tool. Anthony, what do you think about that? I love it. If it's Forgotten Realms, I would make it a Paladin of Helm. Yes, that would be a yeah. good one. I like that. What makes do you, sense. Yeah, I could see that, actually. What do you guys think? Anything in particular about it? It does have a great sword and a hand crossbow um, that I gave it instead of the shield. I don't think I mentioned that, but I gave it a poison crossbow from the drow. Yeah. That's cool. Knock people like out. Yeah, it was a nice little touch. So. I mean... I helped create the Voidwalker whole shtick, so I mean, of course I'm into it. <laughs> but I know I would love to have this as like, like these are like, uh, if you went to like a temple or something, and these are like the common guards, and all of them oh, were like God. this, and you're just kind of looking around like something feels horrifyingly wrong here. It's like you just you take one step into the temple and you feel like your world is swimming around you, oh, no. and you're just like, I don't like this. <laughs> This spell's bad. Especially if they all can do that. You're just constantly like, that would be one of the most mobile battlefields ever, because people would just be like, the enemies would be darting around the whole time. Wouldn't that be be cool, though? That'd be disorienting. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be awesome. That'd be fun. Just the other week, I finally caught up on Jujutsu Kaisen. Mm-hmm. And you know where I'm going with this, for those of you who see it. Because there's one kid whose ability is he can swap places with another individual or object and he used it to confuse the living crap out of his opponents especially mm-hmm. in, in team fights yeah. that's cool and that's definitely what it does so mm-hmm. um if you're looking on the screen you can actually see the 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 printed pdf that i made um this is something that gets made every single week for our patrons so if you like this quality you can pick all of them up uh become a patron a few bucks you can pick up all these high quality uh monsters or you can just go build it yourself by reading our show notes because you know there's someone in chat whose name is the last void walker oh <laughs> no way a happy emoji oh that is awesome i didn't even <laughs> catch that that's um, funny i really like this because this is a character that can go either way honestly if my players are murder hobos this son bitch is coming after you <laughs> and they're coming fast maybe they're i'll not send, coming slow maybe i'll they're send like four fast. or five of them after them <laughs> just because, like, they're you're gonna look at them and you're gonna start seeing them just like do one of those, and they're just disappearing all around you. And you're like, ah, this isn't good. Why are some heavily armored dudes teleporting? <laughs> <laughs> that seems annoying. All right, I think that'll do it for our monster variant of the day, the Voidwalker. Anthony, Very, would you like to tell yes. us about our encounter of the podcast? Yeah, the Dream Eater. When yeah. the character stopped by a small town for a short respite. A local young female, a night hag, polymorphed, points the characters to the local inn. They overhear a distraught parent who just lost their child to the night terrors. 
if the characters inquire for their more details, Saren, a male commoner, the parent of that of the night terrors, uh, have been taking people in the small village. He isn't a smart man, but he does know that his young daughter had terrible nightmares for two days straight. They were so bad, uh, it prevented her from getting any rest, and she slowly grew weaker. This morning, she didn't wake up at all. If the characters investigate, the group must succeed in an investigation skill challenge. The character has a shelter of the fateful background. A local acolyte invites them to stay at the temple. This will protect them from nightmare hauntings. Their characters must gain three successes before they gain two failures. Each check represents a day of investigation. During this time, the characters become targets of the night hag's nightmare hauntings. On, the on a success or a failure, the characters learn the following information. There have been three deaths so far, each one having horrible nightmares before their death. They start near nearly a day, a few days, ten days ago. All of the attack attacks took place on the opposite side of the village, small holy temple, of the, the village's small holy temple. If the characters failed the skill challenge, then a hag will ambush the party and catch them by surprise unless preparations are taken by the characters to specifically avoid this. A successful DC-13 intelligence religion or use of detect magic reveals the temple is warded by the protection from evil and good. This protects the temple from the evil hag. Uh, a successful DC-18 intelligence arcana check allows a character to connect the dots to the night hag, possesses a greeter to travelers. Upon defeat, a character can make a DC-18 intelligence nature or wisdom survival check to attempt to, to harvest each of the hag's eyes. These uh, potent magical material components can increase the spell save DC of a necromancy spell cast within, with them by three. The component is consumed upon casting. If the target fails a check, they suffer the effects of the hag's nightmare haunting while awake. That's, uh, <laughs> oh my. So, what do you okay. guys think? On brand? Definitely on brand. brand. Break up the dice. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the, the core feature that we mentioned briefly was their, their, their night, uh, wasn't it? Nightmare hauntings, which basically mm -hmm. if they can do from the ether realm, ethereal realm, while you're sleeping, not only do you not get a long rest, but it does psychic damage. And if it reduces you to zero, you're dead. Yeah. Um, so think about that during this investigation that's taking place. If they aren't protected, um, either by a player casting the protection from good or evil or going to the temple or some other like magic circle, maybe um, they will have a heck of a fight on their hands. Should they actually engage the, the hag or a coven mm -hmm. if they are? Um, yep. What do you guys think about this story? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I would say make it a little bit more horrific. Uh, have the the players encounter a uh, poor person who's uh, um, sleepwalking, walks right into the well. Oh, that's cool. It's a good idea. I give that yeah. horrific spin. I like the idea that you can harvest the hag's eyes because they're obviously potent <laughs> with magical properties. I am also. <laughs> 
maybe it's just like morbid curiosity i've been watching way too much anime in my life but i would like an eye transplant of like one of the characters <laughs> putting in the hag's eyes i know it's like a horrible like naruto reference because of obviously the the uchiha clan thing but you can certainly try i just wonder like what would it do <laughs> like who would take that risk hey i could cut out my eye and put this in what do you think you can <laughs> certainly try that i just imagine like are you a trained professional and they're like no and they're like i don't know if you uh, are you sure about this <laughs> um so the big thing i wanted to include as you guys know i've been working hard to include background features or yes. tools or those more utility spells in this case detect magic protection from good and evil and the shelter of the faithful background really become uh, a good step in the right direction for that mm-hmm. um, because this easily could just be hey a hag's attacking oh they found out they go fight her but there's so much more laid out in this uh, short encounter I say short but it's pretty long winded but it's it's a short encounter um, it's short but the addition I like the addition of the skill challenge because you can make that take place. Like, okay, you guys roll, give me a skill challenge. They each roll, you know, everyone gets the rolls. Here's the, they, they succeed. All right. The first day, here's what happens. And then you go into the description of somebody being attacked and how they wake up and how they react. Or you can do one roll at a time. All right. Uh, who's going to be, who's leading the investigation? You are. Give me a roll. Okay. First day of investigation based off this check. Here's what you learn. Um, the night closed down. You got to go in, go to bed and then you get attacked. And so it creates a very progressive threat i think so assuming they don't take any uh precautions and yeah i love the magic eye item i totally didn't steal that from the hag's eye coven thing at all well it totally (laughs) if i was dm i would totally torment the the players uh long wrists yes yes that's absolutely and i think that's a very big thing here yeah and because that's something that doesn't get addressed often you know one thing that can make fighters and barbarians and rogues all the melee classes outlast the wizards is the fact that they don't have to rely on spells but as soon as you include minions in this and you start consuming the wizards resources and stuff this becomes a place for the fighters and the warlock to shine because they don't require a long rest except to maybe heal um and so this would be a good sort of encounter for that as well Mm -hmm. so Um, I still right. remember the ability came up with that was a sorcerer warlock. It's like sleep. What's that? <laughs> the, <laughs> the coffee lock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other comments on this? Don't need it. No, it's pretty good. I really yeah. like that. I really like the inclusion of the backgrounds. I, I really like the inclusion of the hag's eye being uh, harvested. <laughs> I will put. So yeah. yeah. I'm totally. I, I totally am planning a uh, product that's based around like enhanced material components. To not only bring attention to the fact material opponents can be an awesome part of roleplay, but it gives the, the the characters like limited buffs, right? Like this mm-hmm. one's a huge plus three to your saving throw. Are you nuts? Insane? That's like legendary level, but you get it once. <laughs> you get it one time. Yeah. Well, one uh, for each eye, I guess, if you're crazy and your DM allows well, it. Well, that's assuming Whatever. that they get them both out too. Um, of yeah. course, they're going to suffer the nightmare haunting if they fail on the check. So there's still a punishment there if they take the idea and then fail. So... I love the punishment for failed harvesting, right? Uh, All right, that'll do it for our encounter, the Dream Eater. Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item today? I got you your magic item today. Today's magic item is the Deep Pocket Cloak. Wondrous item and rare. It is made from a collection of bag of holdings. This (laughs) nondescript cloak contains dozens of hidden pockets that have an interior space considerably larger than its outside dimensions. 
roughly six inches in diameter at the mouth of each pocket and six inches deep. The cloak can allow you to keep a wealth of items close at hand. The cloak can hold up to 150 pounds, not exceeding a volume of 30 cubic feet. The cloak weighs 5 pounds, regardless of contents. Retrieving an item from the cloak requires a bonus action. While wearing this cloak, you have a very nice plus 1 to saving throws. And it follows all the additional rules of backup holding. Yeah, I this didn't is... want to type out, like, three paragraphs of details for that. <laughs> yeah. was, like, it's the yeah. same. I love it. What do you think? Love it. This I... is literally like the cartoon trench coat. Yes. Where you're just like, ah, oh, yeah, let me pull out my Acme bazooka from my pocket and fire it at you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that totally was the sort of inspiration for this sort of thing. That's um, so good. Because I want to play, I'd love to play an artificer with one of these and does that exact right? thing. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, definitely think the plus one to saving throws is a nice touch too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to I make did. it. So, I there's two big changes that made it different than just the regular bag of holding. One is the bonus to saving throws, plus the fact it's a bonus action. So you, in theory, can pull things out and attack with them, or throw them, or use them, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I made it uh, a rare instead it's, of the uncommon, which the bag of holding is. It is essentially fast hands on an item. Yes. For yourself specifically. Yes. Very fun stuff. So, uh, anything else? Imagine the poor the city guard is gonna search you. <laughs> like, yeah, that's like that episode of The Mask where the cops are searching him and they keep pulling crap out of his pockets. He's, he's like, like, a rocket launcher. He's like, I got a permit for I that. <laughs> I love that line, dude. Oh, that's oh, a, literally was the mask that I was thinking of. Yes, too. that that was, was part of perfect. it. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, lots of inspiration for this sort of stuff. That's awesome. Um, what a fun item. This is sure, fun. Yeah. Austin, yeah. would you like to tell us about our Dungeon Master tip? Absolutely. So our Dungeon Master tip today is the variant behavior. Now, surprise your players occasionally by making familiar creatures act in unusual or bizarre ways for their kind. Maybe an orc is having a nice tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the variant behavior should be explainable if the PCs can discover the cause. Uh, perhaps the setting changes those who stay within it for too long. Maybe the presence or influence of one or more creatures has swayed others to behave in an unusual way. Variant behavior can go out in many directions. An evil creature might instead behave in a more benevolent fashion, or it could be limited in some way that prevents or suppresses its natural tendencies. Innocent creatures might be forced to fight for the bad guys, causing the PCs a moral quandary. Weak creatures might have stronger yet subservient allies. So, yeah, a nice short and simple one. Just Essentially, this is the, uh, the DM tip saying, throw a curveball at your players every once in a while. Make yeah. that work having to sit down and having good tea, but he also befriended a dragon and they're good friends. Well, and you could go the other way to it. You know, the, the two, you know, street urchin kids that are running around are giving you the, sir, we haven't eaten in three days. Really mean. <laughs> we haven't robbed a subject in three days. Please mm-hmm. help us, you know, change it up a little bit. This Made me think of a webcomic that made the rounds for a while on a few pages a couple years back of basically a bunch of, every time an individual got stuck in a dungeon that belonged to a lich, the lich would finally go, oh, you got stuck? Sorry about that. Let me help you. <laughs> <laughs> and then when there's some back to health with a few magic items, like, this should, this should help you out in the world. Go on your way now. I actually, that is a perfect example right yes. there. 
It's the the lich saying, oh, instead of me trying to murder you all, hold on. I've just been Wait. wanting to read this book for the last, like, millennia, and people just keep coming in here. I Like, do, do you want something? I have plenty. Plenty of things. Just Wait, I remember, one. that was a mind flayer, not a lich. But anyway. I was going to say, Point. so there was there was a campaign I ran for our patrons that was like that, where they ran into a mind flayer in the Underdark, and he's just minding his own damn business, but he's... He's a mind flayer, so he's intimidating, and, of course, his wife or whoever was with him was eaten, like, out of a skull. You know, all these just, like, you know, succulent meals, and he's very rude and has no taste for him, but he has, like, no beef with him. He's, yeah, he's night. like, get out of my home. <laughs> I don't want to hear. Of course, the players jump to, oh, my God, are we going to have to fight that? Well, no, I didn't. He didn't attack you. He just wants to know why the hell you're on his property, like, like, a, <laughs> like an old person. <laughs> like, oh, my oh, you... <laughs> <laughs> spoiler, I'm running Prince of the Apocalypse right now for my Monday group, and they came across this, like, in this level 5 dungeon, if you will, this uh, one door that had an arcane lock on it, and the players managed to roll a net twin and break it open, and when they open the door, there is a lich there reading a book who looks up and says, mind your own business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm breaking my stuff. <laughs> um, do you have anything on this, Anthony? Oh, I love it. Um... Yeah, it. Uh, I would definitely use this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, that'll do it for our dungeon master table, or what? Our dungeon master tip: variant behavior. Our player, <laughs> our player tip of the podcast is: don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. Ooh, yeah. good job. Love it. He's ready for it. <laughs> our, and you can avoid dickitude by time for a bit of R and R. The Rogue Ranger multiclass is a powerful combination. It draws its power from both classes being dexterity-based. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> it also combines the additional damage dice each class provides in their melee or range attacks. So, if you're looking to optimize your build, uh, pairing several of these things together allows you to achieve beast-like damage. First, Hunter's Mark. An extra d6 for every attack? Uh, yes, please. On top of sneak attack, that scales with level? Oh, yeah. How about choosing a good fighting style? Uh, do wielder, for instance, or the, um, the, uh, dueling? Yes, is it dueling? Dueling yeah, fighting dueling. style. It's a free plus three damage. <laughs> yes, it's, it's fantastic. Lowers that lower end. And the Colossal Slayer, which is an extra 1d8. Or you can mix it with the Dread Ambush uh, feature and get the Gloomstalker's 1d8. Either way, the player ends up rolling a fistful of dice every time they make an attack, which, honestly, we all love. Um, it is debatable whether to start whether a rogue, as a rogue or a ranger, but it really comes down to whichever saving throw and proficiencies that you prefer, um, as, um, as well as whether you're willing to wait until 6th level for X attack feature um, after taking 5 levels in ranger uh, for the extra attack, um, and then dump the rest into rogue. That's really up to you. But basically what it comes down to one attack, lots of dice. And that's something that's a lot of fun. Um, because mm -hmm. I feel like the ranger gets a little more hate than it deserves, but that, uh, the fact that hunter's mark and the colossal, uh, colossus slayer do allow you to do a buttload of damage. And then just topping that off as a sneak attack build rogue. I mean, it really can be a very fun role, uh, build to run if you're looking for something a little more um, heavier, I think. What do you guys think? And that's not even accounting for the stuff from Tasha's either. 
Yeah, yeah, I didn't have the book nearby. Uh, is there anything in Tasha specifically you're referencing? Hang on. The one that basically is like Lake Hunter's Mark, but a D4. Mm. Is that, uh, I don't know what that's called, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, what do you think, right Anthony? Now. Do you ever have any uh, optimizers at your table? Or do you um, ever optimize? Yeah, I, I, I allow everybody to bring whatever they need. Because whatever I throw oh, at them, they're going to need awesome. it. <laughs> I did this see means a... you gotta scale the encounter appropriately yeah I actually saw somebody he's like you can play as much optimized as you want I'll just build the encounters around it makes no difference to me <laughs> did you figure out what it was? Yeah. favorite foe Okay. which replaces the foe slayer feature so yeah Okay. That's de- so that's be- that might be better than the, uh, the dueling then right? is that what you're saying? or is it in addition well, to well, 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 it's an extra 1d4 damage to a marked target, so... Ah, got it. Okay, very cool. Um, That's a pretty straightforward player tip. I wanted to toss in the... I gotta give the, the optimized players, as an ex-optimized player myself, I gotta give you guys some power gaming love. So, there you go. Uh, Take it with a... And I feel like, like, for the rogue side, definitely go Swashbuckler, because... Oh, yes! Absolutely. When don't you get... Right. Attack. Um, I love it. All right, that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a dick. New invite dickitude by getting a little R and R. Before we close out today, we have another gift to give away. Ain't that right, uh, Ian? Why, yes. Our giveaway is the Theros Campaign Handbook. The Theros Campaign Handbook provides all the tools you need to fill in the gaps in the mythic Odyssey of Theros. Yes, it includes detailed city maps. Story hooks, locations, and NPCs are all the major cities. All three of them, that is. And there are also new archetypes and backgrounds designed for the setting. Yes. And the winner is Anakin 10,000. Didn't win? Not a problem. Head over to creditacademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win and check out our free stuff that we give away while you're at it. Yeah, super, super exciting. We like to give away gifts, so head on over, check us out. We always are throwing away, throwing loot at you. Um, so, uh, before we close out, my pal Anthony, would you like to um, give yourself one more plug? Where can people find you? Where can they find your community? And and how can they uh, be a part of this fantastic community? I'm always hanging out at the stages of the Forgotten Realms of Facebook. And in, if you like any other uh, D&D world and want to know more, I don't care if this is the first day you opened up your uh, starter ki- uh, box or you've been doing uh, D&D since 1975, we're there for you. No, gar- uh, no drama guarantee. Oh, I love that. That is such a, a huge thing. Um, the, uh, drama is hard to avoid. So kudos to your team for being able to do that. Thank you, <laughs> man. Shoot. Even I'm just amazed that the Johnson people can stir up even just in a response to a simple question. Yeah. I've seen people uh, get uh, roasted over. What is an orc? And they just hit them over the head and set them on fire. <laughs> and, and, and it's an honest question. There are people out there who don't know what an orc is. And that is what it is. I mean, shoot, like, in one comment section, one person asked, like, how do you roleplay having low health? And my reply was, why would I? Right? I just say, well, my current health doesn't move on. (laughs) And people were like, that's metagaming! I'm like, yeah, and? Not all metagaming's bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah, definitely check it out. I've been uh, got a lot of knowledge fed through my feed because of that group. Um, I particularly don't. My knowledge is limited on F- Forgotten Realms. Mostly when I played Fourth Edition, I was Eberron, first of all, um, which is uh, mostly what I ran. Yeah, I do. Me too. I'm right there with you. And then, honestly, I did, wasn't in, super into the lore when I first started in, like, 3. three and uh, and so that group really keeps me up to date on all the lore and stuff, which I love. So mm-hmm. um, that'll do it for our show today. Um, hopefully you'll join us next week. We will have a special guest on the show again, John Barnhouse. If you don't know the name, he's a... Very successful gaming uh, uh, dungeon fantasy RPG creator, fantasy trip creator, role-playing for 5e, OSR, all kinds of stuff. And he's got some really cool stuff coming up that we're going to talk about. So um, hopefully you guys will tune in for that. Um, Definitely come in and ask questions because when you've got somebody that's been doing it for a really long time uh, as a profession, you want to really be answer those questions, those burning desires as a designer so uh mm-hmm. if you want to support the show you can visit us at critacademy.com follow us on social media please follow us on youtube leave us a review on itunes if you don't have itunes it's free to sign up just to leave us a review we would love you for that because all the podcatchers use that platform basically to determine success and like anakin we want to be ten thousand success so help us with that <laughs> uh if you're interested in capes and crooks and you want to see our upcoming uh stuff you can follow us on youtube where we do all that stuff too so yeah i am your host justin and i'm your guest anthony thomas i'm your co-host ian and i'm your co-host austin thanks for listening keep your blade sharp and spells prepared heroes